First off, to all the moms out there, all the moms-to-be, happy Mother's Day. We are so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you're here. You're worshiping with us this morning. We know Mother's Day is a, is a beautiful day that we celebrate moms, but it can also be a difficult day for some moms. And just know that if, if you're in one of those areas where you're struggling, uh, we love you, and we're here to support you, and um, we, we are very thankful for you. But just to... By way of introductions, I just want to say this, and it's the title of my message. Moms, you are the best. You are the best. All right, but moms, you're the best. No one has a greater impact in this world than you, mom. Sorry, dads, that's, that's just the way it is. I'll give you a quote from uh, George Washington. George Washington said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am I owe to my mother I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Moms, do not underestimate your influence on the world. You are the cornerstone of, of you are the cornerstone of the family. You are the cornerstone of civilization. You are the foundation of the family. And for, for that very reason, moms, we love you and we are very thankful for you. Many of us, you know, have, have lost moms in the past, and, and I just want to encourage you today also that um, as you reflect on the wonderful memories of mom, that you, that you celebrate her life, that you celebrate her life in your heart. And um, so, yeah, uh, this morning we're looking at 1 Samuel, so if you would turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Normally, if you're visiting with us, we are, are normally going verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings. And, uh, but today we have a special message from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 23. And what I want to look at this morning is the life of Hannah. The life of Hannah. And this is a special, special message for our ladies. Uh, we're looking at Hannah's faith, Hannah's integrity, uh, Hannah's worship, and Hannah's dedication to the Lord. So if you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 23 this morning. And with that said, I want to um, open us up in prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as we look at it now and we talk about moms and how special they are, help us, Lord, to um, celebrate motherhood. And Father, I pray for each and every lady in our fellowship this morning this, this here in person and online, Lord, that, that we'll learn this morning, Lord. We know that no one's perfect, nobody has it all together, but Lord, help us to pull truths from the life of Hannah that we can build our life upon. For it's in the mighty and beautiful and wonderful, victorious name of Jesus, I pray, amen, amen. So 1 Samuel chapter one, uh, verses one through 23, says, now there was a certain man, Ramathim of Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanai, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Yikes! What is going on here? Uh, we have a man here in the Old Testament with two wives. What is going on here? What is happening in the text? What's up with this polygamy in, in, taking place in the Old Testament? Once Mark Twain was challenged by a Mormon to quote a Bible verse 
that prohibited polygamy. He responded, easy. No man can serve two masters. <laughs> you see, friends and family, it's always been from the very beginning God's plan, one man and one woman. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And what you need to keep in mind, especially when you're looking at the Old Testament and you see these situations of polygamy, everywhere it's mentioned, it's always uh, mentioned in a negative light. There's always a problem. There's always a problem. See, that's what I love about the scriptures. You know, it doesn't, even the people in the Bible didn't have it all together, okay? Abraham, he lied about his sister. Uh, King David slept with Bathsheba. Peter denied Christ. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Bible is filled with imperfect people serving a perfect God. And it doesn't try to hide their sin, but it just shows them as who they are, real people, just like you and I, endeavoring to serve the Lord in the, with, our, with purity. Um, so, so, we, so we have this Elkanai with two wives, okay, in verses 1 and 2. Let's look at verse 3. So verse 1 is the people, verse 3 is the historical context. It says, This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophnia and Phinehas, and the priest of the Lord were there. Now, what you need to understand is these two guys right here, Hophnia and Phinehas, they were very, very bad priests. If you turn over, you don't have to, but just make note of it. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 says that these men were worthless. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22 says that they were seducing the women who were coming to the tabernacle to serve and to, to serve the Lord. They were seducing the women to sleep with them. These men, Hophni and Phinehas in verse 3, they were evil and they were corrupt priests. Now keep in mind, the historical context of this book is when? It's the time of the judges. It's the time of the judges. And Judges 21-25 summarizes this period. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And unfortunately, we find ourselves there again today in our world where every man is living and doing his own thing. The world is living and doing their own thing. And what we need are people that trust in Christ that trust in God, and that live according to his word. That is the heart and soul of Christianity, to put your trust in Christ, to serve Christ, to live for Christ, and to pattern your life after his word. That is the perfect will of God, that we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. But it wasn't the case and what was taking place here in our text during the time of the judges. You see, Israel needed a desperate change, okay? Things were really bad. The morality was very low, and Israel needed to change. And what is God's answer? What is God's answer when an entire nation needs a change? It's not a ruler. It's not an army. It's not a king. It's a young lady. This is God's answer to the nation of Israel's corruption. A young lady, a servant, and her name is Hannah. Do you know what Hannah's name means? It means grace. 
Hannah's name means grace. You see, Hannah is a portrait of God's grace in our life. You know what grace does? Grace, the grace of God, it takes us from sin and rebellion to faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. That's what grace does. That's what our world needs more than anything right now. That's what you and I need more than anything right now is we need the grace of God operating in our lives and operating in our world and turning our world from darkness to light, from lies to the truth of the gospel. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't make you religious. It makes you love Jesus. And, and out of that love for Jesus, it makes you uh, desire to point your direction in the life of obedience. And that's what we see taking place in Hannah's life as we study this passage. Keep in mind the historical context of what's, of what's taking place in Israel. This is the life of Hannah, a life changed by grace. Let's continue, verse four. It says, and whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Paneah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her, and her rival also provoked, provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So do you see the issue already? The, the fighting, the, the, the struggle, the, the consequences of these bad decisions are taking place. Now, it says in verse, in, in the first part of those verses, that Elkaniah loved Hannah, and he did. But look at how Panea, it says, she, verse six says, she provoked her severely to make her miserable. You see, Panea, she humiliated Hannah. Panea angered Hannah. Panea drove Hannah to the edge. Panea caused a storm of emotion in Hannah's heart and mind. And that's where this young servant girl is. And I'm telling you right now, when those kind of things come against you, you want to act out in your flesh. You want to retaliate. You want revenge. But this is what the grace of God does. It changes our hearts to not wanting revenge, but to respond with truth. You see, sometimes in life, people that are the closest to us can hurt us emotionally, okay? Even our own relatives, even our own close friends can hurt us and hurt us deeply. Sometimes it's on purpose, Sometimes it's by accident, but they can hurt us. And that's why it's so important that you and I are strong in what Hannah's name is a description of, grace. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be washed in the word of God so that when we get hurt, we don't respond in anger or we don't respond in revenge, but we respond with truth and grace. You know, one of the quickest ways to put out a conflict with a loved one or a relative or a friend is just don't retaliate. Show love. Where people upset you, 
you respond with love. Where people make you mad, respond with truth. When people lie to you, respond with truth. So that's how we respond. And I think we see that here this morning in, um, in Hannah's life. Let's continue. Hannah, Hannah's, Hannah's not doing good in this, this portion of the text. Look at verse 8. It says, Then Elkanai, her husband, said to her, Now, this is for the men, okay? Well, this is a Mother's Day message, but guys, this is for you. Then Elkanai, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? And this is it. This is, this is what I call foot-in-the-mouth syndrome, at least in my take it is. He says, Am I not better than ten sons? Hannah's grieving. Hannah is grieving. And Elkanah's like, hey, babe, you got me? Aren't I better than ten sons? This is called foot-in-the-mouth syndrome. You see, men, we don't understand everything our wives go through. Now, there's different interpretations of that text. Some people interpret it like I interpret it, that it's a slant on words and that he's, got, he's saying something he shouldn't be saying. Some people interpret it as he's being sympathetic towards her. But that statement, am I not better than 10 sons? I mean, imagine a husband saying that to a wife and a husband's in a really desperate situation and a grieving situation as she is. So that's the way I understand it. But men, we think we're Dr. Phil. We think, we think we're Dr. Phil and we think we know it all. But the truth of the matter is, men, we don't know it all, okay? I, heard, I got one amen. <laughs> um, what our wives need is a listener. Okay? I've learned that in 25 years of marriage. So, some of the best counsel I've given my wife <clears throat> is just when I'm quiet and I listen and I don't open my mouth. Because I, I find that that's what our wives need is just someone to listen. Don't listen don't speak. And also, men, and this could go both ways. Maybe we'll talk about this on Father's Day uh, for the ladies, but now we're talking to the men. But men, we need to choose our words carefully. We need to choose our words carefully. You know, there's, there's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. It's because we should listen twice as much as we speak. Listen to Ephesians 4.29 in the New Testament. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give what? Grace to those who hear. That is the heart behind every Christian spouse is that the words that we speak um, to our wives or our wives speak to us. We want those words to bring grace. So be careful what you say. You know, there's, there's times where things have come out of my mouth and I wish I could just reel it back in, but that don't work. Our words can cause hurt. Our, hers, our words can cause pain. So we need to be very careful with our words that they, they show grace. What does the grace of God do? The grace of God builds us up. The grace of God causes us to grow in our faith. So our words, men, towards our wives, we want to help them grow. As Ephesians says, we want to help them grow in grace. Amen? Verse 9. Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. 
Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Now, how, now as we get into verse 10, this is where um, we're going to see her faith. We're going to see her faith. So we're going to pull... We're going to pull some principles of Hannah's faith from these, these next couple of verses. Actually, a lot of them are right here in verse 11. But let's look at Hannah's faith. And it says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. You know, um, she was in bitterness of soul. She was at the bottom of the barrel. She was struggling. She was wrestling. This was very difficult for her mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Hannah had every reason to be upset, okay? Panea had greatly hurt her, but what did she do? The first principle of faith is in godly faith will tell us to pour our hearts out to the Lord in prayer, okay? So when you're hurting, when you're going through a difficult situation, whatever you're facing, there's a so many different things that we could face in this life, go to your prayer closet and pour it out to your heavenly father to his throne room. Bring it to the throne of grace and ask for his help. Hannah's faith pointed her to prayer. She laid it all out before the Lord. And a godly mom will pray when things go south, okay? So remember that. Moms and dads, when things don't go the way you want them, when things go south, the first thing you should do is your godly faith, your faith in Christ should point you, oh man, I need to go pray. I need to go pray and I need to lift this situation up to the Lord. That's what she did and that's what you and I should do today is bring it to the Lord. You know, we don't control the actions of people in this world but we do have access to our Heavenly Father when things don't go the way that we expect them to. You know, I faced a lot of things as a pastor, talking with families and ministering to people. And, you know, I know that no matter what I'm confronted with, no matter what is presented to me uh, when a family is struggling, it could be the loss of a loved one, it could be something, a difficulty in their marriage, it could be something going on in the family, whatever, job, employment, how, whatever. You know, I always say, I'll be praying for you. And that's not just a cliche term, okay? That's not just something, okay, well, God bless you, I'll be praying for you. No, we have to be praying fervently in our prayer closet for the things that come our way. Let's continue, verse 11, looking at Hannah's faith. This one's good, guys, this one's really good. Look at the opening of verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, and this is the first time it's used in the Holy Scriptures, O Lord of hosts. So the second element of Hannah's faith is this. Hannah acknowledged the awesome power of God. This phrase, Lord of hosts, in verse 11, it is used 261 times in your Bible. And this is the very first time it's used in the Bible. So Hannah introduces us to it. What does this phrase, Lord of hosts, that's talked about in verse 11 mean. Well, first off, Lord there is uh, Yahweh. And Yahweh means the self-existing eternal God. And then host means uh, heavenly armies. So to interpret that phrase, Lord of hosts, for our understanding is he is Yahweh God of the heavenly armies. 
And a godly mom's faith will recognize and understand and believe in and trust in the awesome power of God, okay? God, in the very beginning, spoke and the universe came into existence. The Bible says that. By, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. God, the God of this universe, the true and living God, he split the Red Sea. The God of this universe raised Jesus from the dead. He changed the water into wine. He is a miracle-working God, and he's still a miracle-working God, and he's still moving powerfully. And we need to understand that, that he is the Lord of hosts, the Yahweh God of heavenly armies, and he dispatches angels throughout the world to do his work. He fights against and holds back and suppresses the forces of darkness. Now there is spiritual warfare in the world. Satan is our arch enemy. He goes around attacking, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we don't need to be afraid of him, okay? Because we serve the Lord of hosts, Yahweh God of heavenly armies. And we acknowledge his awesome power that's the first part of verse 11. Now look at, um, I'm actually breaking verse 11 into three parts. So after he says, then she made a vow and said, Lord of hosts, comma, it says, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. So what do you see there in that next part of verse 11? I see it as Hannah's faith is humble. You know, godly faith is a humble faith, keeping in mind Hannah is hurting. But she does not shake her fist in anger. Her one request, look at it yourself, is she's like, Lord, please look to me. Please remember me. That was Hannah's cry. A godly mom today will, will, will be humble and she will say this, Lord, I will trust you in the difficult times. Same can be said of us guys, but this is messages for mom. But believers, a, a, a humble person will say, Lord, I will trust you in the difficult times. And be encouraged, friends and family, if you're going through a difficult situation, if you're going through a tragedy in life and things are not well with your soul, and maybe you're in anguish because of tragedy, remember this, God sees you in your pain. God sees you in your affliction. God sees you in your difficulty, okay? He sees you. We live in a fallen world that's marred by sin, and unfortunately, tragedy and difficult times strike even believers also, okay? But we need to stay humble. And then she says, Half the third part of verse 11 is, is my next uh, part of Hannah's faith. Notice she says uh, in verse 11, Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Now remember, what is keeping Hannah in so much anguish? She can't have a child, okay? But now she's saying, if, if, if you will bless me with a child, I will give to him, I, I, I will give him to the Lord 
all the days of his life. Hannah's faith was committed to giving God what was most important to her. And the thing that was most important to, to Hannah was her children. And godly moms do this today. We dedicate our children to the Lord. We give them a spiritual heritage. We give them a foundation to build their life upon, a foundation of Christ, a foundation of, of God's word. And by doing that, you are committing your children to the Lord by giving them that foundation of faith in Christ and faith in God's word. And let me tell you something, that foundation will take you throughout life. It'll take you throughout life all the way into eternity. It is the greatest foundation that we can give our children is the Christian faith and the foundation of God's word. Amen? Amen. So godly moms, we do this today, they dedicate their children to the Lord. And a godly mom specifically, and dads, but moms, they pray for their children's salvation. They pray for the decisions that their children make in life. And one of the most important, the one I'm so thankful for, is moms cover their children in prayer. It's a wonderful feeling to know in life, um, having a godly mom, to know that someone is praying for you. Someone is covering you in prayer. And my children know that I'll be praying for them for the rest of their life. Let's let all of our children know that they have a prayer warrior at home, in mom and in dad. Amen? Let's look at, now we're shifting into Hannah's integrity. We looked at Hannah's faith. Now we're looking at her integrity, which starts at verse 12. Verse 12 says, And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said to him, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Now, Eli, he, he thought she was drunk. Why? Because that was the norm of the culture in that day. Remember, the, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. But Hannah, Hannah's faith drew a line in the sand. And she said, I am going to live with moral convictions. I'm going to live with integrity. Uh, she would not allow the things of this world to influence her. That was then. Today, application. A godly mom today does the same thing. She walks in integrity. She walks in moral courage for one of the main purposes to be an example to be an example and if she's blown it along the way if she's fallen along the way she asks for forgiveness and she gets back up and our kids need to see that our children need to see that in us mom and dads that we are not perfect that we are sinners saved by grace also that we blow it along the way and when we blow it we need to acknowledge our sin and even tell our kids, hey, I blew it. I made a bad decision. I sinned against God and I've repented. So we need to show them what it means to ask, to ask God for forgiveness, 
but also we need to live a life of an example of moral, moral courage before them. She yields to God's spirit and God's word. Ephesians 5.18 says this, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Remember this, moms and dad, if you cuss, they will cuss. If you get drunk, they will get drunk. If you tolerate immorality, they will likely tolerate immorality. So we have to live the example before them. So we're seeing Hannah's integrity. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And by the way, a maidservant back in the Old Testament, those were like, um, they were like bond servants, the doulos that we've talked a lot about and we've learned a lot about in the New Testament. Said the maidservant was a female servant who served for life without pay because their, their master was so good. But she says, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning. And here it is, guys. Look at verse 19. Looking at her faith. They rose early in the morning and worshiped. They worship, she worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanai knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So here is the sixth element of her faith that I've, I've counted in the text. And it, Hannah's integrity, it led to a life of worship. It led to a life of worship. What does it mean? What does it mean to worship? It's more than just singing songs. What we do on Sunday mornings with singing songs, that is a time of praise and worship. But worship is much more than just singing songs. It's to fall before the Lord. To worship means to um, lay your life down for the Lord Jesus Christ. To fall prostrate before him. It's to uh, show God, this old English word, Show God his worthship, worship, worthship in your life. That's what worship is. So we, we, we sing songs and we, that is praise and worship, but worship is also, in addition to that, a lifestyle that we live. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, he says, therefore, you know, the, 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 the letter to the Romans is, is the, gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the doctrine of justification by faith. So in light of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead and giving you this new life, Paul says in Romans 12, 1, therefore, in light of the gospel, I urge you, I'm glad he says brothers and sisters, so that's everyone, men and women, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. And there it is, a living sacrifice, okay? Not, not a dead sacrifice, not a sacrifice you put on the brazen altar, but a life that's lived for him is the sacrifice that Paul's talking about. He says, this is your, there it is, look in verse one. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You and I today worship God when we do not conform our lives to this world. Rather, we conform our life to obedience to God. 
and then we renew our mind with his eternal, powerful, unchanging word. That is a life of worship. When I say, Lord, I surrender to you, I lay my life down, and I put your desires and your plan and your purpose in my life first, even before my own desires. That's what worship is. And I believe that's where Hannah's heart is this morning. Hannah is going to produce one of the greatest leaders in all of Israel, Samuel. She's gonna produce the greatest leader who's gonna lead them into the golden age. And it all started with a godly mom. That's my point this morning in Mother's Day message. Let's read, let's read the final verses this morning. Verses 20 through 23. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man, Elkanai, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. Verse 22. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, that I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Do you think she was happy? Oh, she's filled with joy. She's, she's filled with joy. And, and in this passage that, that we're, we looked at this morning in honor of Mother's Day, God rewards Hannah for her faithfulness. God rewards her. You see, Israel needed a desperate change. God did not send a ruler. God did not send a king. He did not send an army. He sent a woman. Her name was Hannah to change the nation of Israel, to change the course of a nation. The reward of Hannah's faith, humility, integrity, and dedication was the greatest judge in Israel's history, Samuel. Now, I don't for a minute think that any lady here or father or man has it all together. And my prayer this morning, that as we've studied this passage, that we ask the Lord in prayer, Lord, produce this more in my life, like Hannah. Give me more faith to trust you, to believe you, and to live my life for you. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is faith, this is what faith is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's what we need. It's more faith dwelling on the inside that trust in Christ with all of our heart. Humility. Humility is being humble. It's being thankful for what you have. And we need to grow in that area of humility, of not considering ourselves as this high and lofty person, but staying humble in life. Uh, her integrity. We need to walk in integrity. We're living in a world that's just filled with compromise that lives with no convictions, that has, has, has the backbone of a noodle. But we need to be firm. We need to be strong in our biblical convictions and live by the word and dedication. 
We need to be dedicated to the Lord, and we need to be dedicating our children to the, to the Lord and to God. So the, the greatest judge in Israel's history was Samuel, and it all started with her. Samuel will go on, in case you don't know this, Samuel will go on to anoint the future kings of Israel, Saul and David. He will lead Israel into what is commonly called the Golden Age. And, but remember this, it all started with mom, Hannah. It all started with mom. It all started with her upbringing. So we need to grow in this area of our life. In closing, I say this to all the moms this morning. Mom, you are the best. You are the best. Happy Mother's Day, and we love you very much at Calvary Chapel Irmo. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask for all the moms in the room, to, if you would stand, and I'd like to pray for you. Moms, you're the best. We love you. We're thankful for you. And uh, we couldn't do it without you. Us, us men, us husbands, we couldn't do it without you. Our children couldn't do it without you. And we're very thankful for you. Now, and if you're a mom here this morning and, and uh, you're struggling today, know that we love you, we care for you, and we want to minister to you. And um, we just lift up the Lord in whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever struggle you're going through, we pray that the Lord comforts you and strengthens you today in his grace and truth. So with that said, um, family, let's, let's pray for our moms. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers. And Father, as we look at this message today on Hannah, I pray, Lord, that um, all of our moms have learned from the life of Hannah and, and all the men that we've learned from the life of Hannah, what a life of grace looks like walking in faith, walking in humility, walking in integrity, walking in dedication. And Lord, help these moms to uh, look to you and to grow in grace and to grow in truth. For Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for our moms. Please bless them today. And Lord, the, those of us who don't have our moms with us today, I pray that we'll reach out to them and wish them a happy birthday. For those who have lost their moms, I pray that you'll encourage those people also, Father, in this difficult day when they remember mom who maybe is no longer with them. I pray that you strengthen them and encourage them with the same thing that you encouraged Hannah with, and that is your grace and your power and your love. Lord, we love you, and I thank you for each and every mom that's here this morning. Here in here in person and online. And I pray that you bless them today. Give them joy in their hearts, a joy that comes from you. First in Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.